0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
1: There is a place where time stands still where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Take it in the guts, Barry.
2: All
0: you've got to do now the Australian simple answers, and you together? go through that doorway to the greatest that has come Hi everyone, this is Annie. You're on 3CR, and we're on Showreel. We look at the Australian moving image industry, and today I've got two Australian films to look at. Uh, the first is Luke Sparks, Bring Him to Me, showing now at Nova, the Sun Theatre, Village, and Palace Cinemas, and the second. The Big Dog by Dane McCusker. It's getting a release at the Sun Theatre in Yarraville and it starts tonight, November the 19th. Bring Him Home to Me is a departure from Luke Sparks' previous genre films, The Red Billabong, which was about monsters in the bush and Occupation and Occupation Rainfall, about alien invasion. Both surprisingly good films if you have a chance to check them out. Bring Him to Me is a very tight, up-close and personal crime drama. It has the same easy fluidity that Sparks brings to his filmmaking with good acting and competent scripting. This is the chat I had with Luke Sparks about Bring Him Home to Me. Well, uh, your new film is uh, quite terrific, I reckon. Uh, you're really uh, showing yourself to be a very fine filmmaker um given that uh, bring him to me is a much closer more intimate uh, film uh, than your previous films tell me about how it all came about
2: yeah I mean I picked the film because it's different for me um I'm, I was looking for something you know different if as much as I love my sci-fi and my big you know pieces Um actually the way this movie came to me is one of the um artists who worked on the rainfall poster campaign which is behind me um he actually is the writer of this movie he pitched this he wrote to me and he's like hey i, I worked on your post-it campaign i'm trying to be a script writer i've done some projects i'd love for you just to give me your advice on them and i read them and i said not only do i want to give you advice i would love these movies um to create and i think that's what he wanted um so, yeah, and that's how that came about. But it was actually a different movie of his that I was trying to get made first. It was a creature feature. Um, and it just didn't get up for one reason or another last year. And I wrote to him and I said, look, I can't get this movie up right now. I'm going to have to move on to something else. Sorry. And he said, oh, all right, I'll get back to working on my other scripts. And I said, what's your other script?" And he said, oh, it's a crime movie. God, bring him to me. And I said, send it to me. And within two weeks, I had it in production.
0: Yeah, well. So it all
2: happened very, all happened very fast.
0: Yeah, very quickly. And it's very tight. It's it's a very almost Elmo Leonard sort of a uh, a story. And uh, I uh, really love that crime writer. And y- apparently you shot it in Queensland.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like in the script, it didn't really say where it was set, but it was kind of got the feeling that it was like Nowhereville, America. Um, but uh, being an my first film that I haven't, haven't made it as an Australian movie, it's kind of more international, but it's I always make sure we shoot it here and have the crew, you know, keep the crew working and keep the actors employed. So, yeah, we shot it on the Gold Coast um, and Brisbane and Ipswich uh, all around, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you've got a couple of big-name Australian actors. Uh, um, so you've got uh, Sam Neill and Rachel Griffiths playing probably uh, supporting roles, I'll have to say. Um, how did they get on board?
2: Yeah, um, I sent the script to, uh, first in, in the original draft of the script, uh, the character that Sam plays, Frank, uh, dies very quickly. Um, and I changed all that. Uh, I said to Tom, I said, gotta yeah, trust my gut here. I think we need to keep this character around. I think it could be a great you know, uh, choice for an actor. And uh, we re- rewrote it together. And then we sent it to Sam, was my first choice. And within, like, 24 hours, his his people wrote back and said that he's really leaning into this movie creatively. And uh, I chatted with him, pitched the idea, and, yeah, then he came on board.
0: And Rachel as well, Rachel Griffiths, because, of course, they they like to act and they want to be at home as well, right?
2: Yeah, and Rachel had directed Ride Like a Girl and she had cast Sam in it. So once I had Sam and Barry... Uh, you know actors attract actors and it, like snowballs along and then suddenly rachel's like i would love to do it too and work with these boys so you know she came along as well um yeah it was it was very great and obviously sam's news that came out recently in the press of his cancer um i you know obviously found out about that before we shot this he told me when we we're on the zoom so he had to be very careful how we you know work with him even though he was a gentleman to work with and gives himself a hundred percent you know he literally left set and then went straight to his treatments um so it was like really hard to sort of deal with that
0: yeah yeah um how long was the shoot then?
2: it was 15 days
0: 15 days yeah it was very tight <laughs>
2: which is which is insane
0: yeah yeah now <laughs> tell tell me about the um two main actors they're really great they're really well cho- chosen they're both american and um how did you get on to Barry Pepper for example
2: yeah, well, Barry is an actor who I've wanted to work with for a long time. I love him in nearly everything he's done, pretty much everything I've seen. Um, and uh, we got chatting after Rainfall, and he just liked. He said he liked the way I work, you know, like the way I make films, the way I've got ambition and passion and drive. Um, so we tried to work on a project together. He was going to go off and do the um, Yellowstone spinoff that's coming out, the Kevin Costner spinoff. Um, and then so I couldn't work with him, and I was talking to some other actors, some great actors some great names and he came back and said oh that show's been pushed I'm available I sent him this script and he signed on the next day so I just knew he'd be perfect for this this role
0: yeah and it's it's a, a big role it's a good role for an actor um and uh the uh uh the secondary character uh, uh Jamie Costa this was a good role for him too isn't it
2: yeah yeah like he shot the fame a little bit online for his Robin Williams short film that he did a couple of years ago. And I reached out to him personally and just said, love your work. I'd love to work with you one day. And we just got chatting about cinema in general, our love of movies. And then when this script came up and the role came up, I thought that it would be perfect for this role because he has sort of like this kindness about him, um, which I think the role needed. And I think in the script, it was more written like a Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. It was kind of like a, a criminal is already on his way to being a criminal. So he's kind of like that, yo, yo, let's go get some money. And he's all kind of like that. And I said, we've we've seen that in Breaking Bad. Let's do something different and have it more like a a kid who is kind of a fish out of water, but still kind and doesn't really belong in this world.
0: Yeah. And, and, I mean, you're an interesting filmmaker because uh, I've spoken to you twice about uh, various films along the way. And you're really, you'd almost say, a self-made Filmmaker, right? Um, I'd say that, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. pretty much. And and um, one of the things that's so fascinating about you is that you direct, you edit, and you had a hand in the production design. These are both really strong elements in this particular film. Can you talk to me about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't, I didn't start, I didn't start directing to start doing everything else. But it's more out of necessity, which I think in life is a, is a scene, right? Sometimes it's just out of necessity. Um, at that particular time there was lots of work on in Queensland for other films there was not many great people around to work on the show um, my background is costume and art and, and design all that kind of stuff I did before I was a director so yeah I just said all right I'll, I'll do it um, it kind of lent itself for this project because it's a car movie and it's traveling a lot we're able to you know shoot different locations every night and you know I'll get there early and I'll you know give it the design look but because it was very much based on the the two characters in a car i wouldn't say it was like crazy amounts of you know set design that had happened um which was good um picking the locations where it became a big part of it to make sure the locations look good then i added things like rain and atmospheric stuff to make it you know moody and um, neon signs and all that kind of stuff who do
0: you get to shoot it
2: this, this was shot by Ross Clarkson um, and he's a DOP He's Australian DOP that's based out of Taiwan and Hong Kong. so he does a lot of Hong Kong action movies with Jason Statham and, um, and all that kind of stuff. So he uh, was great to bring on for this and I've wanted to work with him for a while. So he sort of was easy to work with and also he knew what I wanted so I was able to say I want a medium shot of Barry. He would give me a fantastic, interesting angle, rather than me having to get in there and like explain every single step. Um, when I was doing so many other jobs, that was a godsend. Um, yeah, yeah, and now,
0: now get get to the editing because it's very yeah, tough. And, and
2: the edit yeah, yeah, now the the editing uh, is probably my other passion than directing. I I love editing. I love, I love once all the crew and all the, the actors leave, and I can sit in the editing, editing room and really create the movie from scratch. You know, sort of throw the script away, and then find the movie as it goes along in the edit um so I love sitting there and for this movie I worked kind of like 20 hours a day because I just can't step away from it so I had a bed set up in the edit room and I would just be sleeping and editing sleeping and editing um and yeah it's just a huge passion of mine just to explore that and explore the options and uh kind of know how I'm going to edit before I shoot so then I can shoot and know we've got what I need and walk away without having to worry about let's get 10 different angles and let the editor sort it out. Like I am the editor so I can be like, no, we're good. And just walk, walk away. <laughs> uh,
0: um, if we go back to the actors, because these are two meaty roles for actors um, at, who are at a particular stage in their careers, did they um, work on their characterizations uh, after you gave them pointers? Uh, I mean, how much did they bring to the roles?
2: yeah they brought peeps like barry especially you know does his homework he knew exactly who he needed to be and knew what scenes he was doing and knew where he needed to be emotionally every day um you know he knew it so much that he was kind of so methodical that he was the character right so when i would come and talk to him he'd be like do you understand what i'm going through and i realize i'm not talking to barry i'm talking to the driver so yeah that was very very good and jamie as well kind of yeah again we talked about this whole not Breaking Bad, so he knew where he was kind of come from. And um, I think it was easy for him because he could just be this kid out of water and just be like, oh, it's all good. Um, so, yes, the other guys around him needed to to bring it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really suspenseful. It's it's a really nice piece of filming. I, I, I didn't enjoy this film. I thought you did a really good job. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is it's just been announced that you've got a, a distribution uh, deal over in America, right?
2: Yeah, just today announced that yeah, got picked That's up. That's why a cinema I was release. a
0: bit slow to bring you on. I was actually reading that.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, we got we got we got it sold to America for a cinema release across the country, which is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Um yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you had been
2: everyone's dream. Everyone's dream when they make a movie, you know?
0: Yeah, well also this film was actually uh, targeted for an international audience, and perhaps America's being the, you know, it's it's got a real sort of uh, feel about it. Um, it. It works here, but it it would work really well there, and it'll be very interesting to see how it does. I imagine
2: it will be. It will be very interesting. I'm very interested to see what the reaction will be from America.
0: Mm. Okay, so um, it, it, given that this film might do well in America, what's what are your future plans, Luke Spark?
2: Um, I have uh, another movie that's in post-production that's been announced next week that I shot this year, and no one knows about it yet. Um, And that's Going Back to My Roots of a Creature Feature, uh, written by the same writer as Bring Him to Me. And uh, that's about two people trapped in a tunnel system under a city while there's an attack on, and they get figured out that there's something down there with them. Um, and what's interesting about that movie is, I, you know, I like to do things differently. Uh, I shot that whole movie as a one take, a one take shot, so it's in real time. The camera never cuts.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, interesting, very interesting indeed. Well, so, I yeah. always enjoy seeing the films that you cut, you produce and uh, I wish you nothing but luck.
2: Great, I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Judith Ehrlich. I'm the director of
3: the film, The Boys Who Said No, Draft Resistance in the Vietnam War. I'm really pleased to be here on 3CR. I'm an old listener-sponsored radio producer myself and worked at the first listener-sponsored station in the world, KTSa
0: Berkeley, part of the Pacifica Network. So good work. Keep it up. Thanks.
2: Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. Be a part of your community radio station.
0: You're back with Annie on 3CR, your community radio station. This is showreel, and we look at things going on and being made in the Australian moving image industry. The second filmmaker we're taking a look at today is Dane McCusker, who has produced a fantastic film called The Big Dog. It is a very incisive reflection on modern life through the lens of family going to free fall. Really well written, acted, and directed. Tight. I spoke to Dane about the film. I really enjoyed The Big Dog. I thought it was a great film. And uh, you are, are the writer and director. Can you tell us a little bit about how this all came about?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so I had been um, kind of making short films and things for a while. Um, and I had been. You know, kind of trying to mount my debut feature, um, and I was I was having a bit of trouble doing it um, and kind of getting something off the ground, um, and then I saw kind of a pathway to to get something made um, by going back and doing my master's degree and kind of using that and some of the resources there to help uh, produce a film, um, and so I I went in with a whole bunch of ideas that I thought that I would be able to make in there um, and then realized very quickly that none of them were going to work. And then one morning I was just scrolling Instagram and I saw um, a video that's actually the first scene of the film um, of of a guy hiding in his car doing a a kind of online Tim Dom session with a dominatrix. Um, And it was just one of those moments that as soon as I saw that, um, I kind of realized the potential of that for a story and where it could go and it was very um yeah it was just like a kind of almost like a lightning bolt moment that just as soon as i saw it it just struck a chord in me and i knew i knew how to write that story
0: where did you go to do the masters just as a matter of interest
3: um at the australian film television radio school
0: yeah yeah how clever of you to come up with an alternative way of getting um production I mean, because you've produced films before, you've uh been quite successful in that area. So you're a, obviously a person who thinks outside the box.
3: Yeah, I think uh, with independent production, especially in Australia, you really have to be as resourceful as possible. I think that you know we don't um really support the kind of really grassroots level indie stuff very well in the country in this country. Um, so if you're going to make it like you know unaided or as unaided as possible you really have to think of alternate routes to get things made
0: yeah um one of the things that's so compelling about this particular film is how tight the writing is and how tight the um editing is uh and also how fantastic the actors are now um I, I think that it's just a fabulously well put together film. I mean, it's you talk about it as being a uh, sort of a, um, you know, going back to uh, f- films like Three Weddings and a Funeral and things like that. But in actual fact, it's it's almost verging on horror in, in a kind of a way. Yeah. Tell me about the writing because it's really, really tight. You've done a great job.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so so after I kind of just saw the initial uh, video, um, I went, um, it, it was the beginning of COVID and we went into lockdown in Sydney. Um, and so I had a really focused time because I wasn't able to go out and do anything else. Um, you know, I was able to really focus my attention just on, on having this one project that I was really trying to, um, to yeah, to get as tight as possible. Um, and knowing that it was, going to be limited resources to make it i knew that it had to be really rooted in in performance um, and and you know in the writing of it to really make sure that it doesn't doesn't feel you know you don't feel the limitations of the budget in a way you know if i I knew if i made it as compelling as possible on the page um and as and, and as dramatic and human as possible on the page then i didn't think that people would notice so much that it was you know a low-budget film.
0: Oh, and also, you you know, you're in one house, um, in one neighbourhood, yep. in a car, that sort of stuff. So you, you limit all that. But interestingly enough, it doesn't feel like uh, it's a small film. Uh, you, you succeed in that sort of dramatic state. Um I mean, there was a film recently, uh, it was a sort of a two-hander like this in a way, that was also about uh, sort of dominatrix kind of arrangements. But this is, your film is far more uh, exciting and much more interesting on a level of personal uh, um, development, I'd have to say. A sanctuary, it's called Sanctuary, and it's about a guy, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, rich guy with a woman that he has an ongoing um, sort of Quasi sexual relationship, which, but it's really about um, undoing himself and making himself feel like he's a piece of shit. Um, but this yeah. is, <laughs> but this is a, a much more um, a believable sort of scenario, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, we did um, work a, a lot, and especially when I was kind of developing um, it in the writing of it, just to make sure that it was always grounded. Um, and even though it was. You know, a comedy and it was very high stakes and it was like as thrilling as possible to keep it um, also as human and involving as possible, you know, just just because I knew that it was going to be so performance focused. I had to really make sure that I was giving the cast, you know, a lot of material to, to really be able to knock it out of the park, which I think they all did. They all did an incredible job.
0: Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And um, the the directing, I mean, like, the writing is really strong. And I'm assuming that you must have collaborated with your actors. So uh, Julian Garner great, is great as the main Richard uh, Morgan. Um, but all the others are great as well. But it's a sustained performance. And for him, it must have been uh, a gift from heaven. It's a great performance.
3: Yeah, I, it was really funny because um, we... We cast it with a casting agent called Danny Long, and we saw a few people, um, like quite a few people for that role. Um, but he was someone that just really was able to, to be, you know, like make it feel as high stakes and frantic as possible, but still have a level of um, awareness and vulnerability underneath um, that was really important for that character. Um, and also just finding... You know, because it, it really is an ensemble of, of the family and the four members, or well, three members of the family and and Paige the dominatrix, and finding um, you know the actors that could play off each other really well um, was was what it was all about, and you know getting getting the dynamics between the performers really well um, ironed out. Um, and but yeah, I mean for Julian, it was it was just about the momentum. Like he really pushes the story forward um, and, and really kind of. Yeah, all of that really crazy energy, so much of it comes from him and his performance and how kind of unhinged he got.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and you're right, it's high stakes, but it's very personal and it's, um, it's quite amazing. I, I was really blown away. And, of course, the uh, theatrical uh, trope of the big dog uh, next door was uh, quite um, – so you've obviously had quite an experience in uh, – in, um, reading and theater and like you, you're, you've got a fairly lively understanding of process when it comes to dramatics.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I so, so I did, I went back to afters to, um, to, to try and get this off the ground, but I'd already been through the school twice before. So, you know, I had done, um, quite a bit of study there and, and, you know, a lot of it was, you know, I, I feel like I just kind of gravitate naturally to more kind of performance focused uh, and and writerly kind of focused style of filmmaking. Um, yeah, I think it, it is it is theatrical and especially, you know, when you have to have something set in one location, you have to kind of use some of those um, theatrical tropes to open it up a little bit um, and, and kind of add. Some some layers to it when you can't you know just cut to a new location or a new place or you know um, so yeah that's definitely something that I had to lean on.
0: Well, actually, I, I'd say that it um, gives it uh, uh, strength. Um, but it, it, I don't want people to go away thinking that it feels theatrical. This is what you do: you fuse mm. filmic and theatrical depth uh, to to create a film that is uh, a, a rollicking but very dark. Modern story.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think it was a, a lot of work went into getting that tone right, um, and and kind of, you know, it's it was hard um, judging how how funny or how dramatic it was going to be. And I think up until I saw it with an audience at Sydney Film Festival, I thought it was much more <laughs> dramatic than it actually plays in an audience. It was it was far funnier watching it in a full room of people um than it was working on the edit say um where you know jokes kind of lose their humor after the fifth or sixth time so by the hundredth time it didn't feel like uh, as funny a film as it kind of eventuated to be
0: yeah well it's funny you should say that uh it's like it's careering down a, a salem course in horror but it's funny as well um and so, yes. yeah, you, you've really succeeded. Tell me about the audience reaction. So I'm quite interested in that.
3: Yeah, so it, it was it was funny because it was the first time that I'd, I'd seen it with an audience. We worked on it um, in the edit and in the kind of post-processes for maybe over a year, year and a half maybe. Um, and so it was quite a long process. And all during that time, I didn't – I never saw it with an audience. It was just me and – my composer or my editor or sound designer. Um, but then we premiered at Sydney Film Festival and, uh, we sold out all our sessions, which was a huge surprise. And so the first night, um, you know, going into a packed house, I I just didn't know how it was going to play because I hadn't, hadn't watched it with people. Um, but it was, yeah, there was a lot of laughter in the cinema and, and, you know, a, a lot of laughter and a lot of gasping. So yeah, it was kind of that's right. Fun I, to gasping.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, there's certain points in it. You go, oh my god.
3: <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It was a good. Um. You know, a process to kind of mix. You know, the really high dramatic points and the and the kind of the comedy of it. Um. And, and they kind of went hand in hand.
0: Yeah. Well. Good. Good job. Good job. And it's got this. It's got a um, a, a theatrical release. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah. So it's going to be coming out in theaters um, on November 9. Um, so we're playing um, Dendi cinemas in um, Queensland and New South Wales and the Sun Theater in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, it's exciting because it's you know, my, most of the team's uh, first film. So you know, to have it come out in cinemas was you know, really exciting.
0: Well, you're a very good filmmaker and I'm uh, interested to see what you do next. And I can only tell people that they will uh, be uh, buying a ticket that was worthwhile going to see The Big Dog. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good job, man. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That's it for Showreel this week. Bring Him To Me is showing at Nova Sun Village and Palace Cinemas while The Big Dog is at The Sun. Coming up next is Published or Not.
1: Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty The sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down in Memphis Lower the curtain down on right I got no time Private consultation under the Milky Way tonight. we